Jack. All right, NFL fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman. It's opinion or fact. We have not done one of these in a couple weeks. You've heard myself. You've heard Wesley Coleman. We were on Monday's Fans First Football Show. Haven't done an opinion or fact for a while. Wesley, welcome back. Feels good to be in these old stomping grounds again. It does. I, I, I have opinions, and they need to be heard, Jeff. <laughs> maybe i have facts that need to be stated there you go <laughs> all right so we uh we're looking to get back into these and what in case this is your first time listening to the show and you don't know what the premise is we are obviously giving our opinion or basing this off of fact and we're going to debate sometimes we agree sometimes we disagree it's a shorter form show typically only 12 to 15 minutes in length so sit back relax let's have some fun let's talk about the first topic today and that is how early is too early to give up on someone. Now, this could be a, a multifaceted discussion and debate here. Coaches, in other words, when is too early to fire someone? Or players, when is it too early to maybe bench or give up on someone? Wesley, let's start with coaches first, because I think that's the, the hottest topic uh, every year around this time. Teams that are struggling, everyone's saying, who's the first coach that's going to get fired? What do you think? I mean, yeah, we've already got the odds this uh this this year and on, on coaches to be fired there are um four coaches that are uh that are underneath a plus 1000 so i mean there it, it seems like this is pretty early in the year for a week you know week five week six to be talking about it but um i guess it depends on expectations and all that i i, I don't know like I, I i tend to understand that once you realize someone is for sure not a good fit and I'm, I'm meaning that broadly because we've got different you know avenues i've been successful in business by cutting the cord early um, yeah. as soon as i realize somebody's not a part of our team somebody doesn't understand the structure of what we're going for and just isn't going to be a part of uh, propelling us up and forward um now this is different and i, I think that we hear a lot of different things with contracts and guaranteed money and you know, then we get really difficult with sometimes of how much cash does the owner have on hand and if they can even technically afford to fire somebody because the, the money has to be in the bank account. So um, there, there's, a, there's a bunch of things that kind of factor in. Just broadly, I'm somebody that's a fan of once I realize you're not a fit and you're not going to help us, let's just go ahead and, and, and figure out what that, that hole is and let's start filling it with somebody else. Well, before we go any further, do you have that list of the odds? Like, who are the, the odds on favorites to be canned first? I mean, Ron Rivera is negative 200. He's the only one that's in the negative. Everybody oh else is gosh. plus, like, Josh McDaniels is second at plus 350. Um, okay. And, and, you know, Ron Rivera, I mean, uh, definitely makes sense. So yeah. you're, you're kind of top list here. If you got Ron Rivera, Josh McDaniels, Matt Uberflus with the Chicago Bears. Mm hmm. Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings. Yep. And then Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Now, after that, you go into people that are plus 3,000, uh, your yeah. Rabels and Stefanskis, people that are not getting fired, um, at least not now. Not yet, anyways. <laughs> um, yeah, now they got they got to have do really bad for the rest of the year to get fired. But right. your ones that are worth talking about is Ron Rivera, Josh McDaniels, Matt Eberflus, Kevin O'Connell, and Brandon Staley. Wow. Okay, that, that's interesting, and, and it just goes to show those odds are going to fluctuate by week. For instance, Josh McDaniels comes off a win with the Raiders. Now everyone's feeling like, okay, maybe he's okay. Then you also have the Bears finally win a game, but who do they beat? The odds on favorites if you can, so there you go. I'm sure that has something to do with the odds, but let me just say that this, 
and I can't speak to every single organization because I don't follow them as closely as I do the Pittsburgh Steelers who I cover, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are a team that they absolutely, and I shouldn't say they, the Rooney family, the ownership, they do not want to pay coaches to do nothing. Therefore, they are famous, infamous for the, oh, they retired or we're just not renewing their contract. Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. So, yeah, everyone, t- Matt Canada is going to play out his contract, isn't he? Yes, because <laughs> guess what? This is the last year of his contract, and he won't be re-signed after this sure. year. I could I could bet my car. I'm not going to bet my house. I could bet my car that that's going to happen, and it will. They'll say, ah, oh, the contract for Matt, Matt Canada is not being extended. Wow, like what a shocker. But they're not going to cut ties with him because they don't want to pay him to do nothing. Some so, will say it's cheap, whatever. I don't know. That's just how they do business. Yeah, so but so that's kind of a conflict there because I think the Steelers have clearly had success with their yes. head coach being the same head coach for so long. But if that influences you to not get rid of a running back or a wide receiver or an offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe you, you need to look at each of those people individually, not just as a organizational standard. Yeah, I mean... That's the thing. Like the Steelers, like, oh, we've only had three head coaches since 1969. Yeah, that's a pretty cool statistic. Like it's 2023 and they've had three coaches since 1969. Like that is continuity in its purest form. However, there are times where you have to, like you said, you said you talked about in your own business, world, life, whatever. You can tell real quick when someone doesn't fit and they're not going to help and you cut ties. And that makes sense. And I think that can, even though that's not football, that's not the National Football League, in a, in a certain extent, it, it should be able to be applicable there as well. And people in like in Pittsburgh, everyone wants Matt Canada gone. They'll say, Oh, well, there's no one there to potentially secede him or to, to, to call up, you know, call plays. What the hell are you doing in the organization? If you don't have anyone else that has a smart enough mind to be able to call plays. Like I find that hard to believe. I don't know. What are, what's your take on all this? Well, there's also kind of a craziness. I just finishing the Pittsburgh thing. So even the Pittsburgh penguins, there was a, ch- a chance at their yes. game of fire Matt Canada. <laughs> And the team they were playing is from Canada, and I'm sure they were confused about. Oh no, it Chicago! It was the Chicago Blackhawks. Oh, I, oh no, not... okay, no, no. I guess what I heard: Chicago, like 82 percent of their players are from Canada. Yes. So yeah. it was like this weird thing that, uh, like, do they even know what's going on? on <laughs> you know, I'll use an example. So, and I kind of talked about this. But so Josh McDaniels, a lot was talked about last year that the Raiders are really unhappy with him, and from what we heard or could dig into. The Raiders 100% wanted to fire Josh McDaniels last year. But because of how much money, they're still paying money to two or three head coaches that like financially, like not not like the, the owner thought it was a bad decision. The owner does not have the money in the bank to fire Josh McDaniels. And because when you fire somebody like you, you have the money that you owe them, you have to have it. Yeah. Right there, and and they, the owner like technically does not have the money, so there's different teams ran different ways. <laughs> but that's what we heard last year is that the the Raiders they wanted to fire Joshua Daniels, but literally could not yeah. afford to fire him and still now pay three or four of their last head coaches at the same time. It, it literally, I, I believe, it comes down to the individual organization, how they like to do things, how they like to run things, and in, in this case, sometimes how to run their books. But let's talk about players. This is a whole different can of worms in terms of when is it that point where you bench your player? Let's just say the most visible player is the quarterback. 
Look at what Bill Belichick has done the last two weeks in New England by taking Mac Jones, first-round draft pick, and benching him and putting in Bailey Zappi. And then he says, well, you know, we're just going to go back to Mac Jones. What does that do to a quarterback's overall, not just comfortability within the system, but confidence that you actually have his back and that I'm the guy, you keep benching me every week. What does that say to anything? There is a fine line there, and it's tough to tread. What are your thoughts? Yeah, there's definitely a line there that you're figuring out if somebody is making a step in the right direction and if all they need is some confidence and a little more organization around them. Um, or if uh, you're putting them in a bad situation to where when it keeps failing, is it is it over? Uh, I think we, we've gotten the away from what was the old debate, which was there was a debate for a long time about that you should never start a rookie quarterback in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Like for a long time. And then we saw some things happen with you know Aaron Rodgers where then everybody's like, see, that's the way you should do it. Draft a quarterback and let him sit for three years, which yep. isn't necessarily realistic. Um, and, and nowadays we see a whole lot more of quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks playing in the first year. And it's it's rare that they don't take some lumps and look terrible. I mean, Bryce Young's 0-5. I mean, should the should the Panthers bench him? I mean, no. I mean, they, they, they've got to figure out probably through 17 games and then another eight or 10 next year. If, I mean, they could lose all of those games. And I think they'd be 0-27 before they'd be like, okay, this guy's not an NFL quarterback. I think they'd yeah. be, be invested for that long. Um, now, now, on the other side of that, what if you've signed a veteran quarterback that's 33, 34 years old, which some people play to close to 40, and he starts struggling with that. And all of a sudden, you know, last year he looked like a starter and is a top 12 quarterback. And then now he, he looks like Mac Jones. Yeah. Um, what's That's a, like Matt, Matt Ryan what, last year at the Colts. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Like fell off a cliff quickly. Yeah. I, in that case, for me, I think I have a lot quicker hook with the veteran of, I mean, of just like, this isn't something we're getting back. This isn't confidence. This isn't yeah. lack of knowing the system. Um, th this isn't confusion from the defensive, you know, fronts that we're facing. He, he stopped. He stopped being good. So I think with it, the rookies, yeah. I, I'll stick with them longer. I absolutely agree because you're, you're talking about a, a, the, the beginning of a career versus the end of the career. But I, I, we use quarterbacks because it's just the most, like I said, it's the most visible position in the game of football. But it really could be in any position. You could be paying a a left tackle that's a veteran left tackle big money and you see wow this guy is looking like a turnstile he's getting our quarterback killed we just can't do this anymore but then at the same time if you have a rookie this is where the question is how long do you let the rookie struggle i think this comes down to how they play the these rookies to start and as i say this obviously i think about the team i cover but let's talk about bryce young as an example and it's not just because he's a quarterback this year, more than any year that I can remember, these NFL teams came out right away and were like, boom, 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 we are starting our rookies from day one. C.J. Stroud in Houston, Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis, and obviously Bryce Young in Carolina. So they're doing all this stuff, and you're like, wow, like man, they're starting these guys right out of the gate. So what happens? Bryce Young, already dealing with injuries, hasn't won a football game. It would have made sense for them to say, hey, we're going to sit you for a little bit, and we're going to let you kind of ease your way into it. It would have made sense for them to say, we're going to start Andy Dalton. And then if Andy Dalton starts to struggle, or if the season isn't going well, then we're going to push you in, give you some repetitions. 
This is how you kill a quarterback's confidence, in my in, in my opinion. It's the same if, with a left tackle. The Steelers drafted Broderick Jones in the first round. He did not start the season. He has eased his way in now with an injury to the starting left tackle. He's now playing. Seems like he's a little bit more ready for it now. He's been there. He's seen it. He's warmed up. I don't know. That's just my take. I think it depends on how the coaches play their cards with rookies. What if we combine those two things and you've got a left tackle who's underperforming, not finding it, and because of that, there's a real possibility your your good quarterback gets hurt. Yeah, I think that gives you a different a different uh, kind of look at things as well. Um, and I, that's when you start drawing up. Well, I've got a new young left tackle with a ceiling that's way up here, high ceiling, but he's also got a low floor because right now he sucks and doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> well, I've got this, I've got this veteran behind him who doesn't, you know, he's can play can play four different positions on the line, because filled in, he, you know, on his last team, he only played five games last season. But my floor is much higher if I put him at left tackle. Now, again, he's not going to develop into the the possibilities. He doesn't have the high ceiling. But you start thinking about like, okay, I just need my quarterback to be safe. I need to be able to run the ball to that side. I can't only run the ball to the right side. I got to gotta have the, the options all around. I mean, you really start weighing in there. And I think that sometimes what you'll see is you'll get into uh, people way smarter than me breaking down film of maybe even a quarterback. He didn't give up a quarterback sack, but three of three times he missed the block. It could have. And, and you just start looking at the the worst case scenarios for, for some of those, uh, depending on the, the health or the the health of another player, or the success of the team's offense. I think that when you look at the, everyone wants to have some like set in stone, whether it's coaches, whether it's players, they want something that's, you know, like you mentioned with the quarterbacks, Hey, if you, you follow the Aaron Rodgers method, well, for every Aaron Rodgers that sat for three years behind Brett Favre, there's a Jordan Love who did the same thing, and it's not really panning out right now. And just like for every Ben Roethlisberger who has a rookie in 04, rattles off 14 or 15 straight wins en route to an AFC championship game, there's also a lot of quarterbacks that get thrown into the mix early, and it basically ruins them. There is no, in my opinion, clear-cut, this is when you fire a coach, this is when you make a change with the player because they're just not performing up to snuff. It is a case by case, an organization by organization thing. And that's what makes it difficult. And that's also why I would never bet on the first coach to be fired in an NFL season. <laughs> yeah. The, so what are the, your final thoughts, Wesley? Yeah. The big thing in, uh, in kind of with coaches, because uh, I would say that the biggest thing that you're looking for when to let a coach go is when they're losing the locker room. Um, I think that the, the, as fans, we just see teams lose and see a bad record, and we're like, they, "Oh, they got to change. They got to get them out of there." Um, but if your your team's giving incredible effort, and um, and even during press conferences are saying this is on the players, like our we, this is our coach, um, I think that 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 holds water because nowadays the the players don't mind speaking out and saying when it's somebody else's right. fault, including the coach or the owner or whoever that is. So. Yep. that's the first thing is looking at where locker rooms are. Um, now, obviously we've got coaches like Ron Rivera, who it's probably impossible for him to lose a locker room because people are going to respect him and he's, you know, revered. Yep. But then now you got times like this where it just, it isn't there anymore. And then, and, and he's been through a lot and probably is a different guy now. This is probably time for him. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. All right. This has been a good show. There's no definitive answer here, but that's just the nature of the beast. Wesley, why don't you tell everyone 
where they can find your coverage of the New Orleans Saints as well as where they can find you on social media. Yeah, we cover the New Orleans Saints for the Dome Patrol podcast. It's at Dome Patrol PCAST on Twitter, or my personal Twitter is at Wesley 13 Come talk to me about Saints or anything NFL-related. There you go. You can find my work at the Steel Curtain Network covering the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can hear me a bunch on the NFL feed. Just search FFSNNFL wherever you get your podcasts, and you can check me out on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Make sure you're on the lookout for your next opinion or fact. Have a good one.